Welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello, everyone. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Ride the Elephant Today. Thank you for joining us. Last time I had a conversation with Brian, we were talking about presumption and projection. And one of the things that we have come to recognize is how we make presumptions that we know what's right and we know what the truth is. And then we have the right to project that opinion onto other people. And that really is the premise of value judging. So that we're all on the same page on this, a value judging occurs when we observe a person's actions, behavior, commentary, and then we become judgmental about it. We have a tendency to value judge people when we disapprove how they dress or groom, or we laugh at them the way they look or speak. We have a tendency to compare people negatively to other people. We belittle them, we mock them, we mimic them. So this comparison that we have to other people leads to gossip. And gossip is really a problem today, not only in the younger generations, it spreads across the whole spectrum of society. Value judging is when we're sarcastic at another person's expense. I think one of the things that we've seen a propensity of value judging in more today than I can ever remember is how we marginalize other people by labeling them. We can call them names, Nazi, racist, homophobe, any number of things. And it's like under this basket of this term we use, we really can, in one word, force a person into a position where they're being judged in a very negative way. You know, it's a lot, Brian. Value judging is probably one of the biggest issues, I think, that stands in our way of having a civil discourse in our society today and also stands in the way of us having quality relationships with others. What are your thoughts about this concept as we head into this discussion about value judging? Well, it makes sense to me the way that value judging is really related to presumption and projection, because these are all things that are happening in the internal dialogue that we're having inside of our heads. Like when we see the world around us, we make presumption, we make value judgments in our head, and then sometimes we project those out into the world. But the thing is, I'm curious, when is it too far? When does it become a negative thing? Because it seems to me that, like last episode, we were talking about projection and presumption. And in a way, it kind of felt like we were projecting our opinion about projection and presumption. And I mean, isn't that a part of moral discourse? Is that you have to project morality and isn't it kind of a part of life to value judge in a way making assessments 
of people in order to determine, okay, this person is safe, I can trust them. This person, on the other hand, is unsafe, and I can't trust them, so I have to create a barrier between me and that person. So in that sense, it seems like we have to project morality to help other people understand it, and we have to judge in order to separate the people in our lives. I mean, what would be your response to that? Well, I think there's two responses I have, and I probably need to dissect them a little bit. I think when the judgment creates a negative impression or creates a negative emotion in another person, I think it's gone too far when we are doing it to be hurtful and harming of another person. I think what's interesting is I find this fascinating. You know, we like to parse words, but when you think of the word judge and judging and judgment and judgmental, I call them the four judge words. It's interesting to me that we have a tendency to use these words totally interchangeably. We just throw them around like they all mean the same thing because they all start with the J-U-D-G. So we all think they all mean the same thing. What's interesting about that is, is that they really don't. You know, when you consider the word judge, it's to consider, to evaluate, to measure. When you consider the word judging, it's resolving, finding out, trying to understand. When you look at the word judgment, that's what you're talking about earlier, about discerning and having a perspective to conclude and have a belief and have an opinion. And to make good judgments is to be wise. I think that's all true. So the first three ways we use the words judge and judging and judgment can be very healthy and are important in the process of our relationships and just coping with the world and doing the right thing and being around the right people. However, did you ever consider when you look up the word judgmental that the definition of the word judgmental has nothing to do with those three words? Judgmental is hypercritical, condemnatory, negative, disapproving, derogatory, belittling, scornful. And I don't think most people really step back and look that these four words, one, which is a good way for us to look at the world, and it's an important quality to have is being a good judge of character, being a good judge of people, being a fair judge. But judgmental is a very negative, disparaging word. And I think we have a tendency to think that because we have a right to be good judges and make good judgments, we have a right to be judgmental. And I absolutely disagree with that. We don't have a right to be judgmental. It's important that we make good judgments, but we don't have a right to be judgmental. So how do you feel about that breakdown of those four words? And have you ever really considered that before? Not really. I've not really considered that before. I will buy that breakdown of the different words. So you're saying that being judgmental has a toxicity to it that distinguishes it from the other ones. And that's similar to value judgment. Being judgmental, value judging. Are the same. Why do you put value judgment? Instead of just calling it judgmental? Yeah. 
Well, that's a great question. The reason I put value judging in it is because what I'm doing now when I'm judgmental, I am judging someone else's values and more specifically their beliefs, values, and principles. When I am value judging, I am being hypercritical of what somebody else might believe. I'm being hypercritical of what someone else might value. Got it. So it's more specific. It's another way of us trying to understand here where the judgmental nature comes from. And to me, throwing the word value in front of it helps us understand that we really need to start looking at what are our beliefs, values, and principles? What are the beliefs, values, and principles of other people? And when we look and observe other people's beliefs, values, and principles, and we are critical of it, that's value judging. Because everyone operates out of their beliefs, values, and principles. People behave based on their beliefs, values, and principles. So if you don't like the behavior of somebody else, or you're starting to think, I don't like that person because of this, or you're comparing, or how stupid, or whatever else you might be saying, you're really basically being critical of what they believe in value, because their beliefs, values, and principles determine how they respond in every situation, just as our belief, values, and principles determine how we respond in every situation. So that's why I use the term value judging as a way of discerning the difference between the three judge words, which I would consider to be healthy and important in the process of our day-to-day function. Interesting. And yeah, as soon as you started explaining that, I immediately thought of a situation. I can think of a specific person who I have been judgmental towards harshly. That's because I disapprove of their values and the way that they pursue what they value in their life. It's different from me, and I don't understand it, and I value judge it. I've come to accept and, it as a matter of that's just who that person is. And I guess I've kept those value judgments myself. So that's one level of upgrade, but you're probably going to suggest that the next level is to not even have those thoughts in the first place. Well, you talked about it earlier on when you said it's in your internal dialogue. So when you make that observation, you are having the conversation going on in your mind and it's rattling around in your mind and you're judging that person. You're being critical of them. You say, I can't believe how stupid they are. You know, they make me mad. I'm so angry or whatever else is going on in your internal dialogue and your tongue starts to bleed because you're biting your tongue because you don't know if you should say something or not. But the reality is, is that that's where it starts. It starts in the internal dialogue. You know what's kind of weird? I also value judge my children, and it's really curious. Sometimes I will project value judgments at them that are not mine, but I know that the rest of the world has value judgments about certain behaviors. And so I project on behalf of the world those value judgments and like, hey, you got to behave in a certain way or people are going to judge you kind of a thing. And I think we all raise our children like that. But in reality, I don't agree with those value judgments. Those are society's value judgments that I know that society is going to project on my children. So on behalf of society, I, as a foreshadowing or a warning to my children, project society's judgments 
onto them, even though I don't have those judgments myself. Yeah, now we're talking about the moral and ethics, because morals and ethics really comes out of a consensus of society's decision of what is right and what is wrong, and what is fair and what is unfair, what is helpful, what is not helpful, what is supporting of other people, what is not supporting of other people. So the moral and ethical guide that you give your children is something that we all need to do because there's an expectation in society that we all behave in a certain way. And treat your neighbor as you would want to be treated yourself is one that we can recognize that can stop this process of thinking negatively about another person, value judging them in your internal dialogue, and then pontificating it out and projecting it out on everybody else in your world. And what you're really basically saying to your kids is that I understand why you have these thoughts in your head. However, it is good manners. It's appropriate to do things in a certain way. And one of the things that we have not taught very well today is what are good manners? You know, I think when I went to school, good manners was a very important part of my teaching. I was taught citizenship which is basically ethics, morals, and having good manners. And we actually got a grade. I got three grades when I was at school. I had a grade for effort. I got a grade for my academic performance. And I got a grade for my citizenship. It was actually called a citizenship grade. And basically that was in the teacher's evaluation, was I having good manners in school? Was I respectful to her as a teacher? Did I have good manners with other kids? Was I gossiping about other kids? Was I bullying other kids? And the teacher observed that. Then I got a negative citizenship grade on my report card. Well, let me tell you what, talking about raising kids, Brian, if I got a poor citizenship grade, let the pigeons loose. My dad would come unglued. My punishment was much greater for a poor citizenship grade than it was for an academic grade. My punishment was much greater for a lack of effort than my academic grade. You know, we have gotten away from evaluating our kids and teaching our kids the importance of good manners and the importance of good citizenship. And I think that's what we're seeing in our society today. We just don't have good manners in our society today. We don't have good citizenship. Instead, we are constantly poisoning the well with the transition from this negative internal dialogue that we might have to pontificating and spewing it all over everybody else and making it very uncomfortable for people to maybe be who they want to be or speak their truth or to express their beliefs because they're afraid they're going to be ridiculed or labeled or massacred in the public arena. So I think it's very important that we consider this conversation and what we can do to change this tendency for us to be such strong value judgers. Yeah, it's nice to have some ground rules on how to behave in relationships, in the public forum, and in private relationships, and it seems like we've lost those ground rules. Well, we've talked about agreement-based relationships, and when we have an agreement-based relationship with like a spouse or a sibling or a co-worker, or our neighbor, our community that we all go to school together with, 
and our kids go to school with, when we put that group together, there's a common agreement that we have. And then if we have an opinion about something, we have an agreement to have a discussion about it. So I think as a whole, we have an agreement-based relationship with society. However, some people don't honor the agreement. And when people stop honoring the agreement, then we start seeing tempers flare. We see irrational behavior play out in the public square, in school board meetings, in the streets, in the political arena. And we just lost our way of keeping the boundaries in place where we have behavior that is acceptable, respectful of each other's opinion and having conversation and allowing the right, the best and strongest reasons and rationale to come to fruition. Like my dad always said, let the cream rise to the top. And that's the farmer in him because the best would rise to the top when you just had good conversations with other people and you allowed the flow and exchange of ideas to emerge. And we've gotten away from that because we feel that we are right and we feel that we want to express our rightness onto others. And that's value judging. Instead of focusing on understanding what the other person is trying to say, we're only focused on getting them to hear what we're trying to say. So this kind of goes into like the forum concept or the idea of spaces. There's a time and a place for everything under the sun. And, you know, Mother's Day, when we're hanging out with Grandma, is a time for casual conversation, good memories. It's not a time or a space for political conversation or value judgment or things like that. But there is a time and a place for judgment and discernment. And that's like a different space. It seems to me that in an agreement-based relationship, you can have a conversation with people who you have agreements with that we're going to talk about morality with each other. We're going to talk about one another's values. And when we go into these conversations, we're always going to have a good faith understanding that you're not value judging me. I'm not value judging you. I'm not attacking you. You're not attacking me. I am bringing things up just for critical consideration. And in those agreement-based relationships, you can talk about values. You can talk about moral and ethical differences as long as there's an agreement that the two of you are open to talking about that. Yeah. That's exactly right, Brian. And I think from a relationship standpoint, and that's really kind of what we're looking at here. I don't necessarily feel that we can cover all the ills of society and put them into this hopper and say, if we stop value judging, the world will be a lot better. However, if we do stop value judging, our relationships will be a lot better. That I am certain of. And there's five things that I want to bring up 
that can mitigate or stop this value judging process, this natural tendency to value judge other people. And as I mentioned, these five, see if they fit for yourself and see if it's a point where you can say, all right, I think I might be able to make this switch here. And the first one for us to talk about today is making others in your present the most important thing going on in the moment. And I think that's extremely important that when you're with another person, that you clear your mind of your self-talk and your distractions and really practice external listening. And what I mean by practicing external listening is that you shut down your internal dialogue, quit thinking of the next thing you want to say and the next question you want to ask or the next point you want to make and really listen externally to what the person is saying. You externally listen when that other person says something and you say, hmm, tell me more about that. I want more clarity on what you mean by that. Now I'm practicing external listening. Instead of me throwing out my retort back at you, I'm really listening to you. Yeah, eventually I'll get to my point, but I want to really understand yours. First, seek to understand before you can be understood is another way of saying it. And in order to do that, you really need to external listen and, and understand what the other person is saying. And you do that by keeping eye contact, looking at the person, not looking around at other things that are going on in the room or wanting to talk to somebody else because this conversation is boring. And being patient, tolerant, and accepting of the person just the way they are. Listen to what they're saying and just have conversations with them. What do you think about that first thing that we can do to be better at stop value judging other people? Well, that was kind of a surprising first tenant. I guess I thought you might be going in a different direction there, but it really is about orienting yourself away from your projections. And it goes back to the curiosity thing positioning yourself to be genuinely curious about other people, where they're at, where they're coming from, and where they want to be. You got to shut down your own agenda and just kind of let other people in. Get to understand them before you start making your assessment. Yes. You're very good at doing that, Brian. You do that naturally. Maybe that's why it didn't come onto your top of your list of something you need to do different because you are a very good external listener. And the second point that I think is critical is to become non-judgmental, even when others may not choose the same beliefs and values and principles that you have. I think the way we can do that is to start wondering about and recognizing that everyone has a unique personal history. And We don't know sometimes what a person has been through in their life that would lead to them having the beliefs and values that they have. So when we look at them and start wondering why they believe this or why they value this or why it's just so important to them or why they take this position or why they're behaving the way they are, start wondering about what it is in their personal history that could have caused them to take on this position. And we don't really understand that sometimes. It's hard to put ourselves in other people's shoes because we're so vested in our own and so vested in conveying what we believe in value instead of really wanting to hear what other people believe in value. And I think that's a second tenet we can do to 
stop being so judgmental if we just would listen and be curious and pull out their beliefs, ask them questions so that you understand what they truly believe and what they truly value. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got to just think for a second about the last time you were interacting with someone who was on some kind of moral or ideological crusade, and they just came at you with that whole shtick. I remember being raised in the church, being a little bit turned off, I guess, by some of the cultural crusading within the church, some of the moral crusades that the teachers and certain leaders in the church would kind of project on the rest of the people in the church body. And I thought, well, this is just a part of this culture. The rest of the world isn't like that. So when I grow up and I go out into the world, this isn't going to be a thing. Well, I was wrong. (laughs) There's lots of ideologies out there, and there's lots of people who are crusading on behalf of that ideology. And it's funny because it's such a turnoff when someone is coming at you with an agenda. It's like, yeah. And then you forget that feeling when you have an agenda and you're going after someone else with your agenda. And it's like, you got to stop and think for a second. When you're crusading on whatever you're crusading about, are you making people say yuck? Just like you would say when another person was coming at you with an agenda. It's like, none of us want to be value judged. And yet we go and value judge others. All the time. That's very well said. None of us like to be value judged, but we're quick to value judge other people. And that's what you're saying. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, that kind of builds into the third tenet that I've used to stop this need to value judge, which I was very much like the person you're describing. I find ways to affirm another person. I look for things in them that I want to affirm them for. And of course, that's a value judging in a way, because if I'm approving of somebody, I'm value judging them in the affirmative. I'm making a judgment that I like this person because I like their position they're taking. So putting your stamp of approval on another person is also value judging. And we, of course, experience that with our family of origin, mainly, because when our parents approve of something, they say, good job, I'm really proud of you. Or when teachers approve of something we're doing, good job, I'm so proud of you, and we're going to give you an A. That is a form of value judging as well. So what I like to do is instead of maybe letting people know that I approve of them, because in my judgment, they did good. I like to affirm a quality I see in them. Like if they're generous. Not too long ago, you told me a story about your son who gave his collections from a pinata being exploded in the yard. He collected the candy and he noticed that a young girl didn't get any candy because she was too afraid to get in the fray. And your son went over and gave candy to the young lady and reached in his bag and physically put it in her bag. 
And you noticed that and you went to him later and said, son, that was a very generous thing to do. And of course, he asked the golden question, which is, what does that mean? And then you were able to explain it and he couldn't wipe the smile off his face. So when we recognize a character quality, whether it's generosity, sensitivity, availability, justice, meekness, truthfulness, honor, when we recognize these qualities in another person, we say, hmm, then we point it out because we're pointing it out in almost admiration, almost in a way that says, wow, that's really neat. You know, seeing that in you makes me want to be more available for other people or more generous or more discerning. So I think it's important that what I started to do was look for ways to infirm character traits in other people. I had 50 character traits. I started with a few. I got up to around 50 character traits that I now look to acknowledge people for. In fact, I have posters around the office with all 50 character traits posted because it would remind me to affirm people for those. I'd see a word like determination. And I look at that and I would see a person who is very determined to complete the task of getting their dentistry taken care of. And they had to go through so many obstacles and overcome so many issues to get to a point where they could do that. And after they did it, I would say, you know, I just want to affirm you for your determination. It was inspiring to see what you were able to do with all the obstacles you had to overcome. So when I started to think that way, some of that negative self-talk that you talked about that was going on in my internal dialogue, all the negative feelings and judgments I would have about people, there was being replaced with positive affirming comments that I was able to take out of my mindset because I put a purposeful intention on looking at these character qualities and finding them in other people. It's been amazing to me to watch the effect that has in relationship building. I would have people, their spouse would come in a couple of weeks after I saw them and they said, you know, Dr. McKinley, what you said to my wife about being so generous really touched her heart. You know, and I thought, well, that certainly beat telling her how bad she was taking care of her teeth and beat her up about that. So I just found it was very important for me to look for the good in people and identify it specifically with a character trait and then find a way to say that. I'll tell you, it feels a lot better leaving the day when you are giving people that kind of feedback instead of beating them up with value judgments all day, which is what I used to do. So that's the huge, huge tenet that I've shifted that has been so powerful for me. Yeah, it's like the ultimate positive reinforcement to give those affirmations. And... Like a value judgment and an affirmation are similar in that you're observing and making an assessment of the person's behavior and character, but they're totally different in their impact. And what is the impact you want to have? To beat the person down or build them up? Because when right. you build them up, it comes back and returns to you. You know, some of these things that I would say to people, they turn around and come back and 
You know, I had a patient the other day, and I do this all the time. This is really a transition for me in my dental practice and the way I do business is giving these constant character qualities. And I had a person who I've seen here for years and years, and I've affirmed him many times for different things. And he came in the other day, and he looked at me, and I was going to go look in his mouth. He said, Doc, before you look, I want to say one thing to you. I just have to tell you, you have been a blessing in my life. This office has been a blessing in my life. You have changed our feelings about ourselves and my wife. We've talked about this and how grateful we are that you came into our life and provided such care for us over the years. What goes around comes around, Brian. You know, when you give those gifts out, and I call an affirmation a gift, it comes back in return. And it's been a huge difference for me in the relationships I have with people. Instead of gossiping about them, comparing of them, I just refuse to accept it. One of the most famous comments in dentistry is, you look at the schedule and see Mrs. Jones. Oh, no, Mrs. Jones. Oh, no, she's such a pain. This is a common thing in every dental office, every medical office, or every business. I mean, I had that going on my first few years of my practice. But I tell you, about 15 years ago, I stopped it. I put a kibosh on it. If I heard anybody say it, I reframed it. I said, no, we're not going there. We're not going to be value judging her, not critical. What are the great qualities you see in this person? And let's identify it and tell her. So let's stop being negative. Take that negative feelings you have about that other person and think of a quality. Find one. There's 50 of them on the wall. Go find a quality you can talk to her about. And I would assign a staff member to do that. I had to break the pattern. Quit being value judging. Get that negative thought out of your mind. Go look at all these signs in this building. Pick one and tell the patient how they have this quality. And that was a huge cultural shift in our practice, in our business, when we were able to make that change. You know, I think it leads to another one. And the fourth tenet that has been significant for me has been having a forgiving heart. What I mean by that is basically recognizing that people make mistakes and people do bad things. Things don't work out for people. And there's certain circumstances in their life that causes them to do what they do. Kind of like raising kids, accepting their mischief in advance, knowing that it's going to happen. And they have a forgiving heart toward that. And I think if we do that with other people, it really makes a huge difference. And it puts us in a different posture. It puts us in a place where we can turn around and affirm the person for our character quality that we notice in them. Because we're not mad at them or angry at them. We're being judgmental because they did something wrong or we didn't like. And I think that's a huge one, too. And then the fifth one is more of a reminder to apply this to all the other four. And it's really showing a genuine interest in the things that are important to other people. When you do that, when you really make things that are important to other people important to you by asking questions and nodding in the affirmative, people like that. They know you're listening. It makes them feel like they're valuable. It makes them feel like they're important to you. I think it's very important that we show that to others that they're important. And if you're labeling them racist, homophobe, sexist, stupid, ugly, or whatever else you want to label them, they're not really important to you. And I think those five tenets have really helped me stop being such a value judger. Oh, that's really cool. 
I mean, you know, does that person really need another judgmental person in their life? They probably <laughs> have a spouse who's always giving them a hard time. They have a mother and a mother-in-law who's always pointing out the things that they do wrong today and did wrong 10, 20 years ago. They've got a boss, they've got coworkers, and they got people who are always telling them what they're doing wrong, how they need to improve, and they're constantly being value judged. They don't need another person in their life doing that to them. So why don't you give them a novel interaction of being the guy who's just curious and asks questions and gets to know them and shows them grace and premeditated forgiveness. Let's leave that value judgment stuff at the door. I think a lot of people are hungry for that kind of relationship even if it's just in a 10-minute conversation with the dentist or a stranger. You know, I had an interaction with my nurse this morning. I went to have a physical done, and we all can experience getting the blood drawn. And, of course, having someone to draw blood in your arm isn't one of your favorite people to be around. However, I started to have a conversation with her you know, what do you like about your job and stuff? And she starts talking about, well, what I really like about the job is it gets me away from all the negativity that's just going on outside in the world. Everyone's so negative. The amount of negativity, it's just really hurtful to me. And it really upsets me. So I really like coming in here and talking to people and helping people and having different kinds of conversations because the conversation outside that I'm around in my community and at home and if I happen to watch anything on TV or in the news, it's all so negative. And it's like, yeah, why don't we start being the person who changes that narrative, changes that discourse, changes that conversation? Because this is not an isolated situation, this one nurse that I was talking to. Like she said, it's affecting everybody. And I agree with that. It is affecting everybody. And it's sad. We need to stop this poisonous dialogue, throwing back and forth. What I've seen a lot of today is there's a lot of value judging the value judger and vice versa. And until we break that pattern and break that chain, we are going to continue to deal with a very challenging public discourse in conversations in our communities that are more supportive of each other. And I hope that people start finding ways that they can stop value judging and start affirming and accepting other people and affirm people that have more positive behavior, in fact, have more positive behavior themselves. Well, this is a really interesting conversation, and it seems like this is a really important endeavor that each of us must journey on the journey of connecting with people instead of looking for ways to reject people. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, very much so. And it's not that hard to do. You know, write down 10. With, with certain people, it seems like it's a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. 
I'll tell you, it was hard for me. When I first heard of this stock value judging thing from Bill McGrain years and years ago, I drove back from Cincinnati. That's where I took the course. And what do you mean stock value judging? What are you talking about? This is the stupidest thing ever. And I was so critical of that course about stock value judging, but it just kept coming back to haunt me. And I finally recognized that how much I was doing it. When I figured out how I had to change it and I could change it, it made a huge, huge difference in the culture of my life, the cultures of my family and the culture of my business, the culture of my relationships and my community. It led to teaching this material to school-age kids. So it's been a very positive thing for me. And I truly understand the difficulty of making this leap into this non-judgmental arena, one of affirmation, one of love, total unconditional acceptance. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for joining us. And if anybody has any comments or concerns about this and like to talk about it more, you can reach us at ray at raymckinley.com. Join us again next week. We'll have a great discussion again. Have a great day. Dr. Ray McKinley is a speaker, author, and coach. In his new book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success, Dr. McKinley addresses the crisis in personal leadership and what you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week. 